Good morning, everyone. What a wonderful song. So my two favorite songs we just sang. Thank you, Naomi. <laughs> I said those are my one of my two favorite songs. So, Soul, where are you? Amazing. Um, this morning we're going to turn to Colossians chapter three. We're continuing. In our sermon series, Jesus is Enough. Um, I'm Sean. I'm one of the leaders here at Jordan Valley Church. I'm glad to be able to gather together with you and bring God's word. So let's open to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Let's hear the reading of God's word. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, Love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Let us pray for the Lord to speak to us. Heavenly Father, I am weak, I am feeble, I am unable to speak apart from the power of your Holy Spirit, apart from your unction and anointing. So we ask for power from on high, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would fill our hearts and minds with your glory and majesty, that we'd behold Christ, that he would hold us fast this morning, he would bring our eyes to see your truth, our hearts to be changed, and our wills to desire to seek to follow you. These words are powerful. These words are so foreign to us. Love, compassion, kindness, meekness, gentleness. Apart from your Holy Spirit, we will not have these things. We will not live in these things. So we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and apply this word upon our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Imagine a world that has two kingdoms. Imagine this world with me for a second. One is the kingdom of darkness. This kingdom has the aroma of death. And it is a constant war between one group and another. There's no peace, just constant strife. This is a kingdom full of people with tattered, worn down clothes that are filled with muck and dirt. You can imagine a smell coming from them that you can smell 50 feet away. In this kingdom, everyone has constant anger and malice. They're fighting for their food, fighting for their housing. There is a continual malice and desire to do evil towards one another. Evil that is spurned on by the elemental spirits, those in authority that desire to enslave them, to harm them. If someone does anything halfway decent, instead of thankfulness, there is slander and hatred toward that person. The king of this kingdom is malice himself. A king who rejoices in evil, 
death, pain, impurity, and suffering. Children are seen as things to be thrown to the side of the road and left to die. This kingdom you can imagine is full of no hope. People are alienated, abandoned, and functioning in constant pain and suffering. They're puffed up without reason, under immense debt, and full of idolatry. The only thing it has going for it is every day the king administers drugs and glasses that change the people's reality. Drugs and glasses that change the people's perception. Dole the pain and suffering and make them believe that their life isn't that bad. On the other hand, there's another kingdom full of light, full of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness. In this kingdom, there's a constant goodwill towards everyone. The clothes that they wear are ones that are full of joy and a thriving life. Clothes that were fashioned after the king himself. Each person handmade with clothes that have diamonds and gold embedded as an internal inheritance in their sleeves. Clothes that are worth more than anything in the whole entire kingdom of darkness. There is no need for drugs. No need for artificial reality glasses. If anyone in this kingdom needs help, someone within the kingdom will be to their house within a second. Pitch in and be there. Food and housing are provided daily by the king, and with that, the people are content. There is a love abounding, a love overwhelming, a love that is rooted in what the prince has done for each person in this kingdom. The prince, grace and truth himself, courageous, brave, bold, and yet humble. Humble beyond anything you could ever imagine. Full of compassion for the kingdom of darkness. This prince, many years ago, he took off his gold, his diamonds, his position of life and joy, and entered into the darkness without drugs, without glasses, but in full view of the pain and suffering, the death, the putrid smell of each person around him. And he went to the king, the king of darkness, and said, I will pay any price to bring my people out, my chosen ones out of this darkness. To this, the other king replied with a chilling laugh, save these people, save these wretches, these whores, these weak people worth nothing but slavery. The prince said, yes, yes, those people. The king of malice said, for that you will have to die. The prince put on all those wretched clothes of his people, thousands of pounds of poisonous stench, spikes that press inward on his body, suffering unimaginable as his spikes press deeper and deeper. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, led like a lamb to the slaughter, stricken and crushed, piled up under the suffocating weight of his people's clothes. All of the king's henchmen pushed their swords of sin's justice into his body, pain and agony searing forth in this prince, and then silence. Death. And with that, the king 
of the kingdom of darkness shrilled with the laughter so powerful, so evil that the people were in horror. And then there was a loud explosion. The prince exploded forth from death, exploded forth glowing like the sun, his face shining forth with glory and majesty that pierced through the fog of the drugs, broke the artificial reality glasses, and disarmed the rulers and authorities around him, triumphing over them and putting them to open shame. The prince then goes to call his people, his chosen people, and says, Come, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. Fashioned after my breast clothes, I will give you these clothes. Clothes of dignity, clothes of honor. I am yours and you will be mine. Now live and reflect my image. Reflect to others, reflect to the world, your new position, your new identity. Live, live, live. You have put on this new self, which is being renewed daily after the image of your creator, after my image. This story that we just went through is a picture of the reality of what Colossians in our passage is speaking of this morning. I hope that each of you will be able to see the heavenly reality and more and more live as those in the kingdom of light, given clothes that you put on every morning to reflect the prince your Lord, believing and living as those in the kingdom of light. The main point of the sermon today is look to Christ and put on his clothes daily. We'll look at this with three different points. Look to Christ as God's chosen ones. Second, look to Christ in his life on earth. And third, look to Christ and put on his clothes. So first, look to Christ as chosen ones. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. God's chosen ones, God's elect. God's chosen ones who, as Ephesians 1 says, those who were chosen before the foundation of the world. As Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people after his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Beloved, you who were in the kingdom of darkness, blinded by the drugs of the culture, unable to see goodness, to see true love, God has made you alive. God has made you holy. Holy meaning set apart as God's people. Trophies of God's amazing mercy and grace who live differently, who walk in holiness. We are expected to be different because we are different. The Lord Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world set his love upon each and every one of you that believe. He said, I am yours and you are mine. I will go to the farthest place, the fullest extent to save my people. 
I will put off everlasting joy and communion within the Trinity, between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I will step into your pain, into each and every one of your sufferings, into death, and I will make you mine and bring you into my kingdom of grace and love. Now the question is, is was it because of anything that we had done? Anything that you contributed that he would set his love upon you? No. Nothing. Not your faith, not your goodness, not your love. Nothing. Not because you were born in a particular family. Not because you were special in some way. But because he chose to set his love on you. His all-encompassing, never-failing love. You are the beloved, the holy and beloved. Reflect on that. You who have repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ in his life, his death, his resurrection, no matter your age, you are the beloved. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe this reality? Are you able to see past the drugs and addiction to our culture's worldview and artificial reality glasses? Has he broken the addiction to looking inward to self? Do you see the heavenly reality, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ? Have you truly repented? Have you believed? in the one who has reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death, making peace by the blood of the cross in order to present you holy and blameless before him in love. If you do not see, if you have yet to truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection, if the blindness and deceit and lies are holding you back in the kingdom of darkness, today is the day of salvation. Come, come as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, young and old, come to him, a Lord worthy of praise, a Lord who has done it all like we heard in the story. It doesn't matter your stench, it doesn't matter your sin, it doesn't matter all the things you've done, how alone you are. The Lord Jesus says, look to me. Look to me, those of you depressed, those of you anxiety-ridden, those of you enslaved to a particular sin, look to me, the image of the invisible God, the one who is preeminent over all creation. Jesus says, by me all things were created in heaven and on earth, whether thrones or dominions, visible or invisible, rulers or authorities, all things were created for me and through me. The Lord Jesus says, I am before all things, and I hold all things together. I am the head of the church, the firstborn from the dead, the first to defeat death, to defeat sin, to defeat evil. I have risen and ascended into the heavenlies as the one who rules and reigns over my church and love. Believe in me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Is that not us? 
Is that not us from the turmoil of this current world? We are heavy and we are weary. But Jesus says, learn from me for I am gentle and lowly and you will find rest and peace for your souls. Look to Christ as God's chosen one set apart to be holy in his kingdom. Second, look to Christ in his life on earth. Paul goes on to say in verse 12, Put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, love which binds everything together, in perfect harmony. Brothers and sisters, beloved, is this you today? Is this how you live at home, at school, in your workplaces, in your neighborhood? Do you carry the aroma of Christ and reflect His character to others? How? Oh, how do we live like this? Is this call too much from our King? our Lord, to ask of us. As I was reading this, it felt like it was too much. How is living like this possible? Love and perfect harmony, compassion, forgiveness, meekness, even on our best days, how do we put on these clothes? How do we put on, as the language in the Greek says, denoting of a putting on of clothes? How do we put these on? Beloved, it begins, as we heard last week, with us setting our minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Looking to this Lord Jesus today, tomorrow, every morning, every second, what did Jesus do in his life on earth as he took on our humanity? How did he live? How does he currently live in heaven? I think we need to pause right now and we need to look at this Christ as seen in the Gospels. How did Jesus manifest these beautiful, beautiful qualities? Without looking to the one in whom we are united, the head of the body, the vine in which we, the branches, grow, we will fall short again and again and again. And I'm sure you as well as I, we have done that. We need the life-giving sap of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and hearts to look to our union with Christ to see what He did for us and what He is currently doing in us. What is the heart of our Lord and the current heart of our Lord in heaven? So first, Paul goes on, compassionate hearts. Listen to this. B.B. Warfield, who we've been quoting the past few weeks through our... um, our corporate reading together um, of the church throughout history, he says of the compassion of Jesus in his book, The Person and Work of Christ. In this book, he says that Jesus did not simply operate in deeds of compassion, but actually felt the inner turmoils and emotions of pity towards the unfortunate. When the blind and the lame and the afflicted appealed to Jesus, his heart responded with the profound feeling of pity for them, 
of love. His compassion fulfilled itself in the outward act. But what is emphasized by the term employed by our Lord is much deeper. It's an internal state that refers to the depths of feelings in which your feelings and longings churn within you. That was his compassion. The word in the Greek refers to deep internal caring, comparable to the modern expressions of deep feelings such as brokenhearted or gut-wrenching. So you see, Jesus had a compassionate heart. Jesus felt unfiltered compassion without any sin, selfishness to get in the way. When he saw the blind, the leper, the tax collector, the sinner, the prostitute, when he saw you, each and every one of you, believer, he had unfiltered depths of compassion in his inner being, an overwhelming pity and love pouring forth onto the unclean, onto each and every one of us. Paul then mentions kindness. We see in Matthew 8, 1 through 4, it tells the story, one day as Jesus makes his way down a mountainside, a leprous man emerges from the shadows and kneels before Jesus. He has to be made clean, and Jesus, what does he do? He touches him. And just like that, he is clean. In one touch, Jesus breaks all the laws and boundaries set by society and touches the untouchable. In one touch, Jesus not only heals him, but gives him the gift of being clean. Back in those days, lepers, as we know, they were outcasts and could not be touched. There was a stigma attached to being unclean in the Jewish society. Lepers were on the unclean list, the same list as pigs. And Jesus, not only he restores his skin and probably his limbs, but he gave this man a new status in his life. Jesus broke through the stigmas and in kindness, he saved us. Next, Paul mentions humility and meekness. First off, what is meekness? I think each of us has heard that word and it's a little hard for us to grasp. What is meekness? So I found a great definition. Meekness is a combination of patience, gentleness, and a complete submission to the will of God. Meekness is learning to be self-controlled instead of being and needing to be in control. Meekness is the opening of your heart instead of clenching your fist. Meekness is the firm resolve that it is always better to suffer, always better to suffer than to sin. As mentioned in the story in the beginning of the sermon, Jesus, our Lord, the Prince, he humbled himself, completely submitted to God the Father's will, and had a firm resolve to enter into our pain, our suffering into the stench, the muck of death to save his chosen and beloved people. He took off his immortality and he became mortal. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, which was the most humiliating way to die. And this was to bring his people, his people from the kingdom of death into the kingdom of life. 
He bore your sin. You alienated and hostile in mind, as Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, making peace by the blood of his cross. As the book Gentle and Lowly, which I recommend all of you to read, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, he says in the chapter titled The Beauty of the Heart of Christ. Listen to this. Let, us, let Jesus draw you in through the loveliness of his heart. This is a heart that abrades the unrepentant with all the harshness that is appropriate, yet embraces the repentant with more openness than we are able to feel. It is a heart that walks into the bright meadow of felt love of God. Jesus' heart is a heart that drew the despised and forsaken to his feet in self-abandoning hope. It is a heart of perfect balance and proportion, never overreaching, never excusing, never lashing out. It is a heart that throbs for the destitute. It is a heart that floods the suffering with the deep solace of shared solidarity in that suffering. It is a heart that is gentle and lowly. That is our Lord. This Lord Jesus Christ is our God-man, fully God and fully man, who is seated at the right hand of God, continually interceding with the Father, saying, this one is mine. Though they have sinned, though they have fallen, this one is mine. This is my chosen one. My heart yearns for their growth. My heart and depths of compassion is even now pouring forth by the Holy Spirit upon my people, pouring forth as the vine giving life to the branches that they may bear much fruit. Love pouring forth to bring them to put on my clothing, my compassion, kindness, humility, patience, meekness, forgiveness, and love. Father, I sent forth more of my Holy Spirit so that each of them may reflect my image. Forgive and have love abounding as I have love abounding in you. Christians, look to Christ in his life on earth, his life in heaven. That is the key to this passage. That is key to our sanctification, to our growth to putting on the character traits of Christ. So third, look to Christ and put on his clothes daily. The Lord says to each and every one of you this morning, I will renew, I will alter and change that sinful, wicked nature within you. I will make your heart a new heart so that you shall be enabled to do my will and walk in my ways. I will give you the fullness of the Holy Spirit so you have a heart towards others. I will intercede daily for you to reflect my image. Christians, little Christ, I will sanctify you to be holy and a precious people to myself. You are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Now the question is, how do we do this? How do we put on these clothes of gold and diamonds, clothes of love and forgiveness? We do it by looking to Christ and coming to him every day 
every hour and seeing our union with Christ. The call of the Christian is not just putting off sin and death, which we'll hear next week from Pastor John, but it's putting on his righteousness. It's replacing that selfishness with righteousness, with love, with care for others. It's what we call vivification in theology. I know it's a big word, but vivification is the quickening or bringing to life of the new nature we have received from God. The bringing to life of the new nature we have received from God. To grow in Christ in godly maturity. To be presented mature in Christ. This is the aim of our lives as Christians. And those who are in union with Christ, we receive all of these benefits through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thomas Boston, I don't know if some of you might know him, he lived in the 1700s. He wrote that by our union and communion with Christ, listen to this, the believer launches forth into an ocean of happiness, is led into a paradise of pleasure, and has a saving interest in a treasure hidden in the field of the gospel, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Therefore, the saints must constantly strive to draw fresh supplies of this grace from the fountain of Christ by faith. We must come to Christ not just once for our justification and our being declared righteous before God for our sin, but we come every day for ongoing growth and sanctification, which means our growth in holiness. Christ is not just the door. He is also our way to heaven. Indeed, He is the glory of heaven itself. The Christian life is one of coming to Him in prayer daily, every day asking, put off my old self and put on compassionate hearts. Kindness, meekness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. And we are in union with this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords who has forgiven us and He intercedes for us daily with deepest compassion, depths of love unimaginable. Behold your Lord Jesus Christ. Behold the one you who are united to Him by faith, united to love, united to forgiveness, united to all of these scenes, compassionate hearts, indwelt by the Holy Spirit to walk in His ways, to walk in His footsteps at home, at work, at school. He is the vine, and you are attached to Him as the branches. And the life-giving sap of the Holy Spirit is there conforming you to His image so you may be presented on that last day as mature in Christ. Let us pause on this for a moment. Abiding in Christ and our union with Christ, which is our key to growth in Christ's likeness as Christians, what does that mean, abiding in Christ? Think of it like this, abiding in the vine. You, each and every one of you, have been grafted into the vine, grafted into Christ. We are his branches. We're grafted in, but we still have our old self. But in this new vine, we start to bear fruit. 
the fruit of the new vine. Every bud of the old nature that comes forth, we're called to cut off. Cut off, which we'll learn more about next week. To put off that old self. When you see sexual immorality, when you have this desire to lust and go online to look at things, when you have anger, idolatry, covetousness, evil desire, on and on, you are called to cut off, to put that to death, that bud that will produce death. And as you cut off the flow of the sap from the old roots, the old life will more and more be conquered and covered by the new. The fruit that is born on that tree will be love, compassion, gentleness, meekness, forgiveness. The language of the tree, us to the great gardener, God, we say, when you graft me and spare not a single bud of the old self, Let it be destroyed that I may no longer live in my old life, but put in me the life of Christ, the abundant fruit. Clothe me with new life, through which my sap is purified and all my powers are renewed to bringing forth of good fruit. I have only to abide in that which I have received, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father has grafted the life of Christ into my life. And our call is to abide, to receive, to rest in that vine, to bear much fruit, which will be so amazing to those in the world. Fruits of love and life. Do you believe these truths? Who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ? I believe that you must believe your identity as those in union with Christ because out of that belief comes the change of heart, comes the change of will, comes the change of actions. A desire to, instead of slander, anger, envy, covetousness, and selfishness, you then respond to others in love, in forgiveness, in compassion. You see your husband or wife as Christ one in which you want to serve and lay down your life as Christ has for every single one of you. You see your parents as ones to respect, to forgive, to obey, to love. You see your children when they sin against you, your neighbors sin against you, your coworkers sin against you, you respond instead of anger or frustration or hurt, you respond as love, the love of Christ as compassion and pity for the brokenness of their sin. Andrew Murray, which has a great last name, in his book, Abide in Christ, says, Abiding in him, you receive his spirit of love and compassion towards sinners, making you desirous to seek their good. Abiding in Jesus, you come into contact with his infinite love, Its fire begins to burn within your heart and you see the beauty of love and you learn to look upon loving and serving and saving your fellow man and women as the highest privilege a disciple of Jesus can have. Abiding in Christ and putting on his clothes, your heart learns to fill the wretchedness of the sinner still in darkness. With Christ, you begin to bear the burden of their souls. The burden of sins, not your own. The very spirit of the vine is love, and the spirit of love streams into the branches that abide in him. 
Do you see how these truths change you as a Christian? Every day that you put on your physical clothes, in the morning remember your identity in Christ, your union with Him, you being in the kingdom of light. Pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon you in fullness of life, to put on compassionate hearts for the lost, the needy, the broken, the weak. Kindness toward your husband or wife. Kindness towards your neighbor, your co-workers. A humility that puts off strength and confidence in self and instead puts on a desire to come up under others, to lift them up into the glories of the gospel. To put on meekness, a full submission to the will of God, even in the midst of suffering. Choosing to suffer rather than to sin. Patience in trials, patience abounding, knowing that the Lord Jesus was patient to the point of death, to the point of being crushed under the wrath of God for your sin. Put on forgiveness. Forgiveness that overlooks wrongs, even the worst wrongs that you don't deserve. Evil done to us, because how many times has Christ forgiveness abounded in heaven for us and love. All of us put on love that binds everything together in perfect harmony. A love that covers a multitude of the sins that people have committed against you. A love that is abounding. As John chapter, 1 John says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God. And knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent forth his Son into the world so we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the perfect sacrifice that satisfied the justice and wrath of God for our sins. Chosen ones, chosen ones, holy and beloved, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to live as those that are in the kingdom of light, those that are attached to the vine. The branches who put off, who cut off your sin, Selfishness, anger, always seeking for your will to be done and instead look to Christ. Look to Christ and put on His clothes. Become so immersed in Christ, so focused on Him every morning, every evening, every day that you resemble Him in your thoughts, your words, your deeds. And as we do that, wow, what a difference it will make in others around us. As I mentioned in the beginning, Christ's kingdom on this earth is full of light. We are his kingdom, the church. We're full of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness. In this kingdom, there is a constant goodwill towards everyone. The clothes that we wear are ones that give joy and a thriving life. These clothes that were fashioned after the king and prince himself. Each person, handmade with clothes, 
that have diamonds and gold embedded as an internal inheritance in their sleeves. Clothes that are worth more than anything in the kingdom of darkness. There is a love abounding, a love overwhelming, a love that is rooted in what the prince has done for each and every one of us in his kingdom. The prince, grace and truth himself, courageous, brave, bold, and yet humble, humble beyond anything you can imagine, full of compassion for those in the kingdom of darkness. Abide, beloved, and rest in this kingdom in your union with Christ, and you will bear much fruit. You will put on clothes of compassion, kindness, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and love. Let us pray.